You know you've got a great offer to sell and it's been proven to do well and get your clients results, but now you're looking to expand your reach and help even more people. On this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast, affiliate marketing expert, Laura Sprinkle, joins us to walk through what it takes to create a successful marketing strategy and how to utilize affiliate marketing to get your offer in the hands of other people's audiences. Joining me today is a very special guest, Johnny Steller. Johnny is one of the most talented copywriters I have worked with. Um, I've worked with Johnny on many different projects over the years. Um, Johnny has written copy for TCC and has most recently worked with a um, like big, big copy, well, big marketing agency. So thank you, Johnny, for joining me today and co-hosting. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to have dusted off my podcast mic that I never used. Um, yeah, and it's such, it's such a pleasure to be here again with you, Kira, um, for the second time I've been on the podcast. Yes. All right. So before, Johnny, we jump in, I'm just going to share our sponsor, um, TCCIRL. This is not anything new. We have our big event coming up. It's coming up fast. So we are traveling to Nashville, Tennessee on March 28th through 30th. Um, we're going to host our event um, in person uh, after a hiatus and last year going online. And we're really excited just to see so many writers in one room. We can't wait. And, you know, I could read the the promotional blurb in front of me, but I'd rather just ask you, Johnny, you've been to our event. Can you share what you, what stood out the most to you? Like why, why was it worth it for you to be at TCC IRL? Yeah, I think I, I believe I've been to three TCC IRLs, uh, two for sure. First one was in New York. And then the second one was most recently last year in, I'm sorry, in 2021 in San Diego. Sorry if I'm getting my years mixed up. Um, it's all a blur. So just, it's all, all the years are a blur now. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that way because it's definitely been like just such a huge floor the past um, year and a half. So I'm kind of getting my wires crossed here. But I do know one thing is for sure, something that really stands out, um, at least the highlight of some of the past couple of my years of life has absolutely been attending GCC IRL. Um, you know, everything from walking away with I mean, stuff you can't read on the internet, stuff that you can't learn anywhere else. Um, and then the connections that you make with the other copywriters as well. I mean, the, the importance of making these connections that could essentially last you a lifetime. And um, just as fun, man. It's like, it's it was one of the best, and I've been to a lot of copywriter conferences before, by the way, just like marketing conferences. Um, and this stood out for me so much just because, well, you and Rob were there <laughs> and I nerded out on the podcast forever before I even ever reached out to you. And the way that just the entire event flowed um, and, and you had the best speakers. I mean, even last year um, when all the things went down <laughs> uh, the year before, it was you still had the most incredible speakers that I still follow to this day and that I still get so much value from. Um, and so I hope I'm not overselling it, but uh, I definitely think that all of us need to get out of the house and just get your butt to TCCIRL this year. Yes, all of us need to get out of the house. I agree with that. So if you are listening to Johnny and it sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, you can find out more information and head over to thecopywriterclub.com 
backslash TCCIRL-2022, and uh, we will link to it in the show notes. So let's jump into the interview with Laura. Okay, so we're going to kick off with your story. How did you end up as an affiliate launch strategist? How did you get here where you are today? I ended up here, well, for a variety of reasons, but I would say that the biggest thing was that I was really, really fascinated with with launches and with people getting their ideas out of their head and into the world. And the fact that as entrepreneurs, we literally just create things like from our minds and then, and then sell them. Like, I just think it's so fascinating. Um, but before that I was actually a health coach. So I created a program uh, called she's got guts and I had a book and I was getting it out there and, you know, I've made some traction and I found that when people would ask me about what they should eat and about their health, I really felt uncomfortable answering. I really didn't care that much, not care that much, but I just was like, you know, you need to figure it out for yourself what you should eat. And when I really, really thought about it, I really enjoyed the putting together of the programs and coming up with the marketing strategies and all of that. Like I didn't care as much about, you know, how many carbs you should eat and all of that jazz. Uh, So I went into the marketing side of things and through that, Uh, It was actually Selena Sue. I was working on her launch and she invited me to be her affiliate manager. I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew her launch well. I needed money. I was like, sure, let's do it Uh, and really fell in love with it. So it was just that like divine invitation, I guess, to to join this world. And and that's how I got started. So I love that story. Uh, I'm curious, like, what was the She Got Guts program? Uh, obviously there was some of that stuff you didn't like, but what did it promise? What was the transformation? Yeah. It's so funny. It's like been so many years now. I'm like, Oh my God, what was in that program? I wrote a book too. I'm like, what was in that book? I wonder if it's any good. Um, but I talked about gut health primarily. And at the same time, I remember my course being like nothing about health. Like it was a lot about getting in touch with your intuition. It was about following your gut. And it was about how when you, you know, dive into your health and when you take care of your belly, which is, you know, in the chakras, I don't know if you follow chakras at all, but you know, your, your gut health is really related to your sense of self, uh, and your confidence in the world. So I talked a lot about that as well. Okay. I might need that book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you think we're talking about affiliates. We're going to talk about some gut health right now. <laughs> Different direction today. Sorry, Rob. Jump in. No, I, I was just going to ask, like, as you were, like, launching that, were you doing anything specific or was, like, obviously this is your first foray into launching a product or whatever. Like, how did that go? What did that look like? Yeah. I So I took B-School and I put together the program. I, like, you know, spent so many hours, I remember, like, on the website and creating graphics and the videos and and filming and all of that. And then my quote launch was really like, I posted a few times on social media. I think I did like a challenge and I sent some emails to my pretty small audience. Actually, I think I also ran Facebook ads. I had no idea what I was doing, but I probably, you know, spent like a thousand dollars on ads and I maybe had like 10 people join my program. It was $99. I may be conflating like two different versions of this launch. I think I launched it twice. 
and I say now all the time, like if I had known about affiliates, if I had known that partnerships was a thing, like I would probably still be doing that because it would have just worked a lot better than what I actually did. And I know you mentioned uh, you met Selena Sue and kind of got started with her. I know you've also worked with other, you know, big names in our space, Amy Porterfield, Todd Herman. Can you just share how, how did you end up bumping into Selena? And because it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big client, big name. And so could you reverse engineer that for anyone listening? Yeah, definitely. So the way I got connected to Selena was, I joined uh, Todd Herman's 90 day year program. And at the time I had, a, I had, you know, I was having a lot more time on my hands than many, I would say. And I spent a lot of time in that community, in that Facebook community. So I was like, let's connect with everyone. I hopped on coffee chats every single day with like a lot of people in that community. And this was just something like, I didn't know that it was a quote, strategic thing to do. Now I recommend that everybody do this. But at the time, I just had a lot of time on my hands. I was trying to network and and meet people and, and get excited about business. And in one of those conversations, I met somebody. She was actually in the Philippines and she was a virtual assistant. And I was saying like, oh, like I want to talk about launch strategy with people. I was kind of saying I was a launch strategist. Like I had like a little bit of experience in that area. She saw Selena post in Kimra Luna's Facebook group that she was looking for a launch manager because her launch manager had just quit and her launch was coming up. And she thought of our conversation. She tagged me in the post. And I was like, sure, I'll throw my hat in the ring. So really, it was like just the dots connecting to the dots connecting to the dots. Uh, and I applied. I'd say I was really talking out my ass, but I was full of confidence and I went for it and and got the gig and that's how we connected. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's so interesting that there's so many connections like that that happen. Uh, I'm, I kind of want to deconstruct that process though. As you're reaching out to people in the group, it's not like you were pitching anything, right? You were just trying to create friendships or were you doing more than that? Yeah, I was really – I remember actually I found this recently – the post that I put out there to to get on these calls was something like, because I had a couple of clients, I was kind of working with them one-on-one behind the scenes to help their launches. And they were clients that were local friends of mine here in Maine that had online businesses. And so I put something out there that was like, you know, hey, like I have these clients that I'm working with and I'm hoping to get some more in the launch space and they need support in these areas. I was like, they need support with copywriting. They need support with web design and and web development and business management. I don't remember exactly what the categories were I put out there. Um, So I would love to connect with people who I could potentially refer. Again, I had no idea that this was like a good thing to do. It just like felt right. And so that's what I was saying is like, hey, let's just be friends and maybe we can, you know, maybe I can send you some clients is what I, how I did that. I'd love to talk about launches and, you know, you're someone who's working with uh, clients in this space. You're launching your own products and programs. Can you share a little bit about what is happening today? What's working in the launch space? Also maybe what's not working in the launch space. Mm, Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this too, because I, for a while, you know, stopped working behind the scenes with clients and I ran my own launches. So I could tell you what worked and what didn't there. But um, now I'm also back in the fray, you know, working one-on-one behind the scenes. And I would say that one thing that I've seen 
is working is just anything that people can do to create that experience of like a one-on-one connection with people. So even though, you know, you may be talking to a lot of people, can you give them that experience of, of being that VIP person? Can you do a personal video? Can you connect with them? I would say that anything with videos and interaction and really getting to know you is working a lot better. I've seen like long gone are the days I found, uh, where, you know, you could do a webinar and like hide behind your slides the whole time and like not show your face. Um, and so I'd say anything that's like a bit more personal is definitely, definitely working. Can we take a step back and maybe just define what a launch is? Cause it, it strikes me that a launch could be thought of as, you know, I wrote an ebook and I'm sending three emails to my list and I'm launching it. And it, it's maybe that small versus, some of the launches that we see, you know, with dozens or maybe even, you know, more than dozens of emails, webinars, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, maybe even reels and videos. Like talk to us a little bit about, or or maybe let's, let's just kind of define like a few different kinds of launches that we might be thinking about for our products or for our clients. Yeah. I love that you you brought that up because there are so many different kinds. Like you said, if you're doing an ebook, you might send a few emails. I've had people, um, so Chantel Adams is a good friend of mine and we've launched something together. And the way that we launched it was she posted one post on Facebook. I posted one post on Facebook. I sent one email to my list and we completely sold out in that quote launch. So I really define a launch as just getting the word out about your products, programs, and services in like a you know, a certain time period, like a mark, a marketing event. Um, so it could be as simple as that, or it could be as complex as what you're talking about. You know, there's a three part video series and then there's a webinar or there's a challenge and, you know, it's a month long. Um, and to kind of go back to what here was asking the other thing I've seen that works well, no matter what kind of a launch you're doing, like the reason that my launch with Chantel, where we did two posts on Facebook and one email, the reason that that worked or the reason that the big launches work is like everything that happens before the launch. Like what kind of relationship do you have with your audience or do do your partners have with their audiences? Like, do they know you as selling that thing, like having that trust built in and, and them knowing like, oh, this person gets results in this area I think like people talk about it a lot, right? Like the quote pre-launch runway, but it's so underutilized. And again, the reason that we were able to to quote sell out in a couple of posts is because everybody knew, oh, Laura and Chantel, they work on launches, they get results. And it's because of all the years that we were talking about it and putting the work in. Yeah. Let's dig deeper into that because I I hear what you're saying. You know, the power really happens um, before the launch and sometimes it's years of time you've invested into your business and building your brand. But for anyone who's newer to the launch space, maybe they've launched once or twice, maybe not at all. What should they think about before the launch? What should they do before the launch? Mm -hmm. I would say someone asked me this this morning even. So it's definitely can be an iterative process. And as you heard, like I was doing launches that were about gut health. And now I talk about affiliate programs, but even with that iteration, like you learn every single time. So I got a little off, off topic there, but I would say that you should think about what do you want to be known for and just start 
talking about it as much as possible. So whether that is on social media, whether that is in coffee chats where you're talking to people that are related to your topic. So if you want to be known in copywriting, like there's a lot of different kinds of categories that are complementary to copywriting that you can start having coffee chats with those people. Um, so when I say the relationships, it could be a one-on-one relationship, like a coffee chat, and it could also be a one-to-many relationship, like with social media. Um, so I think that both are are possible. And I would start doing that now, even if you may change your mind later. Like I have some people that work with me now that actually joined my audience when I was talking about gut health. So like, don't think that you're going to be, you know, pigeonholed into one thing either. So Laura, follow-up question then on that like what is the bare minimum on like pre-launch? Is it like one or two little things or like how do you game plan it out so that it's really effective? And I'm asking this because we launch a couple of times a year. We, up until this last time we launched, we hadn't really given a lot of thought to pre-launch and talking things up, but we discovered in doing it, you know, even just taking a week or two to talk more about the program that we launched, uh, we sold out you know, to like half of the seats to our warm list before we even started advertising. And so I'm just wondering like, okay, well, if we had done that for four weeks or six months, like, you know, what would the impact be? So what are some maybe guidelines around pre-launch? I love that. Like that you, that you did it and you have this tangible difference between when you didn't do it versus when you did do it. Uh, That's really, really cool. And as far as guidelines, you know, kind of as much as you as you can, but I do recommend to people who come through my programs to block off maybe four weeks of pre-launch content. And it doesn't mean, like, I have two, two things here. Um, so one, in those four weeks, like, you don't only have to talk about your program, but if you have, you know, different types of offers, maybe you're transitioning into talking more about things that are aligned with that program. And the other side of this is even though, maybe in previous launches, you know, you're launching twice a year, you didn't have like a, like a really thought out and planned pre-launch one, right? The fact is, is that you're always talking about, you know, copywriting and, and being a copywriter and you're talking about what you're good at in the world. Like you're out there and people know you for that. So I don't think that people necessarily need to overthink it either. Like just be talking about your topics on a regular basis and, if you want to get structured, you know, aim for like two to four weeks ahead of when you're going to launch something to really focus on on reconnecting with your audience on that topic. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Just because again, we're about to jump into our pre-launch content for our accelerator program. And I, as I was laying out the promo calendar, I was um, trying to think through the best way to lay out this pre-launch content for the accelerator with our other offers because we don't want to just drop everything else we're doing and we can't do that. So what's the right way to approach pre-launch mixed in with your other offers so that you don't dilute the message and confuse people? Mm, Totally. So the things that I like to think about when I'm coming up with any kind of content, but especially pre-launch is really that story arc of where people are before they're going to join, where people are going to be after they go through your program and to start planting those seeds with things like testimonials or case stories from your students of, or clients or, you know, whatever, whatever you call the people who join you in your programs. Um, so starting to talk about their journeys, even while ahead of time, starting to talk about the, 
uh, you know, addressing some of the questions that people might have even before they're coming in. So it may not be like our accelerator is opening on this day, but you could have that kind of content too, um, which would be more directly related to the accelerator. But it could be, you know, what do people need before they join the accelerator and addressing those needs and concerns ahead of when you're going to talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. As we think about this, are there media that is particularly good for, say, pre-launch content versus launch content? Or is it all the same? Like, should we be engaged more on Instagram and then the launch happens in an email or, or a significant part of the launch maybe happens in videos or a webinar or like... Um, I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around like all of the ways that we can get that message in front of the right people so that when it is time for a launch and, and I guess all copywriters might be thinking about this for anything that they're helping to launch too. What's the best media for that? Mm. So I would say a couple of things like you would want to have your pre-launch content potentially be in more places, but if you're going to have pre-launch content on Instagram, then you also want to have your launch content on Instagram because, you know, they're already following you on Instagram. But I would say wherever you're already interacting with people is is the best place to do it. And I was on a call recently with Dan Fleischman, who is like a social media wizard. I don't know if, if you all know him. Uh, and he was talking about the fact that like he's just got epic social media reach. And he posts the exact same content on every single platform within five minutes of every single post. And I've seen, I've like watched him, you know, to see like, hey, is he actually doing what he said he does? And he does that. So you're already creating content, just repurpose and post it everywhere. Like don't overthink it. Um, and then wherever people find you is going to be a beautiful, a beautiful place for them to find you in your work. Let's talk about the launch and affiliate launches. And so can we define what that is, what is an affiliate launch? And then why why is this important for us to think about? Yeah. So obviously, this is, this is my favorite part of a launch is getting other people to promote your offers. If I had done this with She's Got Guts, you know, I wouldn't have wasted money on those ads and you know, I would have had a larger audience to really promote that to at the beginning instead of my my tiny email list, um, which was amazing. And, you know, obviously the more people that you're able to reach, the better. So I love borrowing other people's audiences, quote unquote, through partnerships. And people can do this even if they're just getting started. So even if you are hopping on a coffee chat with somebody in a complimentary field, you can be referral partners for each other. And if you are doing a launch, so you're doing, you know, posting on Facebook, you're doing a webinar, you're doing a challenge, you are doing a video series, some sort of timely marketing event, you can invite partners, affiliate partners on board to also promote that marketing event and they will get a commission. So they'll get a percentage of all of the sales that they send your way. And so it's a win for them, right? They get, you know, more money for, they don't even have to create the product. Um, they've already built up trust with their audience. It's a win for their audience to find out about you and your incredible work um, and something that's going to help them, right? Obviously, we're everybody listening, like you have something amazing to offer to the world and the more people that have it, the better. Uh, it's a win for you because you're getting in front of more people without needing to, you know, pay Facebook ads or spend a ton of time creating 
audiences on on social media and email. Uh, And I really do believe it's a win for the world. And I also view it as this beautiful wealth redistribution instead of paying Google and Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg to get in front of more people. We get to pay people that we care about, that we share values with. So I could talk about that for a long time, but (laughs) um, that is what an affiliate launch is and, and why it's amazing. So yeah, let's let's talk about that for a long time. Uh, how, you know, let's say that I've got a client who's launching for the first time, and you know, obviously, I want to help make this the best launch ever. A lot of copywriters would think, well, maybe this isn't you know part of being a copywriter, but I, I like to think you know I'm I'm helping my client solve a problem. So how could I advise them to identify good mar- uh, affiliate partners for their launch? Like, where would they start? Yeah. So I take people through something called the rings of recruitment. And essentially you'd want to think of yourself in in the middle of concentric circles. So you're in the middle and that first ring, ring one, are the people that are closest to you already. So they may have taken your programs. They may already be referring people to you. They know, like, and trust you, you know, like, and trust them. And that's a great pool of people to get started with. You can test things out. Um, they have your back. They already, they already love what you're doing and they may be sharing it already with people. So I'd always start there. Um, the second ring are colleagues. Uh, maybe, you know, you know them from an event that you went to or in a Facebook group, like I met all those people in Todd Herman's Facebook group. Um, so they know a little bit more about you, but you want to just set the tone and, and create a really generous and, and, giving relationship first. So look at, you know, what are ways that I can support them? Um, what are they interested in? Would they, do they even have an audience that is right for my offer? Uh, and start the conversation that way. And then up, out from there, I do want you to think about what are the categories. I keep talking about these categories, but they're really important of people that serve the audience that I want to serve in a complementary or different way. So if I am teaching people how to create affiliate programs, my first choice and partners are not going to be people who also teach people how to create affiliate programs. They're going to be people that teach my clients different things. So they might be teaching them how to start their business, copywriting, um, web design. They're kind of the same things that I talked about earlier. So I want you to make a list of, of those things. What are your customers and clients buying from other people already? What do they need before they come to you? For me, people need to have a product. They need to have a program. So people who teach those things are great partners. What do they need after they work with you? I love to say that after people work with me, they have so much money that they need a better financial accountant. (laughs) So those might be good partners. And then what do people need at the same time as working with you? So that can help. All right, we're just breaking in here to chat about a few things that stood out. So, Johnny, what what really resonated with you from this part of the conversation? You know, the first thing that stood out to me for uh, with this was her confidence. Right, she just went for it, and you know, for the introverts out there, um, it's you put a lot of pressure on going out there and networking with people, and you know, I have to say the right thing, and I have to make sure I have all my information at hand. When in reality, like it seemed like a very like organic process for her. She didn't overthink it. Um, she went out there and she 
used the resources she had around her and was um, kind of just connecting with the people that she was already in a space with. So there doesn't have to be a lot of, you know, pre-thinking or <laughs> conspiring to uh, network, network with people. It's really just a matter of getting out there and um, going with what you know already. So I really admired that about her. Yeah, she mentioned the one-on-one chats. You know, I think she said, I had more time back then to book those calls, those one-on-one calls, and really to show up in Todd Herman's group and that showing up and, you know, solving problems in public and helping people really paid off and helped her form those connections. Um, So that could be something, you know, especially if you're just getting started um, and you feel like you don't have all those connections yet, those one-on-one chats, you know, we've talked about it many times, but those one-on-one chats can be so powerful um, and it could just be 15 minutes, you know, 20 minutes. You're not asking too much from either party on either side, um, but that's really such a great powerful way of building a business. And you're right too. It, it sounds so simple when she talks through it. Like I just, you know, I just met these people and then we started working together. And I think it, business can be simple if we don't overcomplicate it with our own head trash, um, because it is all about relationships and relationship building. And we just manage to get in our own way you know, most of the time. So Johnny, like what helps you get out of your own way? Um, are there any, I'm not going to say mindset hacks, but what helps you, what works for you when you feel like you are getting in your own way and maybe not doing the simple things like jumping on a one-on-one chat with someone um, that could be a useful friend? I would say, um, and, and I'm, I'm stop me if this isn't where we're going with this, but uh, just putting a lot of pressure on myself um, to deliver, like, let's say that we're on a sales call um, and, you know, you just think about selling, closing the deal. And so you're just consumed by that thought. And that's where, you know, it just, it puts a lot of pressure on you to maybe, and maybe things that you didn't mean to say come out and, you know, words words get scrambled and you stutter. Um, Whereas, you know, if you look at it from you, you're, you're on that sales call because you just want to provide genuine value and really help this person out. Um, and that, I believe that's something I will learn from you and Rob forever ago is just take that pressure off of um, just sell, 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 and look at yourself more as a consultant and that you're genuinely there to help that person. So that's kind of like a mindset, like, I guess, trick that I use is really reframing what I'm doing as not a performance um, and just doing it to genuinely help that way, I stop overthinking and then things just come out organically because I love to help people. Yeah, no, that's such a great reframe. And it makes, you're right, it makes sales calls easier because it's a lot easier to show up to a call and just be like, I'm here. You, you know, you're here, I'm here. We may end up working together if this clicks and it's a right fit for both of us. But in the meantime, I just want to help you. Like we've booked the time already. We're both in Zoom together. So how can I just be really useful to you in this time together? And just showing up that way on a sales call or just like what um, Laura's talking about with one-on-one coffee chats, you know, it does take the pressure off. And then all of a sudden you're not worried about selling. You're just trying to be, um, you know, just trying to be more human and make a connection. And then that's when you actually are able to sell or, you know, you get a referral or you make some connection and talk about some type of collaboration because you take that pressure off. So um, I really, I really resonate with that reframe. Um, 
yeah, that works for me. So uh, anything else that stood out to you as you were listening to this part of the conversation? Yeah, um, I I really think that launches, <laughs> launches can be a little crazy, as we all know, and actually getting into the content of launches. Um, I love how Laura actually really emphasized that making mistakes during the launch process is normal. She normalized those mistakes. In fact, they're good to reflect on, right? Um, and, you know, the launch process and launching is an iterative process. It's you're not going to nail it the first time. And I think for people who are perfectionists might be a little intimidated by just putting something out there. Um, but in reality, it's like the sooner you put something out there and launch and just go for it, the quicker you're going to get um, some data, you know, some data to improve maybe the next round of launch. So I really, uh, I really love that she's emphasizing and really highlighting that you have to learn from your mistakes. Um, just make sure you document the process and like log that data and really have that like retrospective slash like postmortem, like or like a launch diary to build on and maximize those takeaways. So you just keep improving and keep building on what's working and cut the stuff out that doesn't. Yeah. And with your, with your work with different clients um, on anything launch related, you know, is there something that you've done differently or you've done that surprised you and actually ended up working really well, even though you weren't expecting it? You know, I think that just being real with my copy, um, it's, it's really easy to overthink using the right words. Um, but, you know, a little bit before uh, the right when the pandemic hit, I think it was like 2020. And I was, we were, I believe it was you and I working on some launch copy for someone. And we, uh, we were real about it. We were real about what was going on. We didn't capitalize on what was going on, but we absolutely were just like, hey, you know, if, this is a curveball year, <laughs> but, you know, don't let it own you. And just being really raw with talking to people like you're talking one on one with a person. It, it's it, it works way better when it just comes out so naturally versus so scripted and, you know, kind of tying back into I love Laura's point about humanizing and personalizing your outreach to, you know, to your list or to either even potential clients um, to make a video, record a video. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that work. And I know for a fact it does. I've seen it work. And now more than ever, in, as more copywriters kind of flood into this space, you're really going to get that leg up by personalizing and adding that special like human to human touch to your uh, communications. Yeah, that's, and I'm glad she shared that too, that that, that seems like that's a shift in the launch space is just personalizing. And, you know, we've seen it with our own launches where we were launching our accelerator, you know, several times. And only recently we started to add more personalization by um, inviting people to jump on a, you know, a sales call really essentially to just chat through like, hey, if you're interested in the program, but you're not quite ready to jump in why don't we just chat through it? And that's something that I feel like when you just start launching, you're almost taught not to do that because we're just thinking go big and just like send the emails and scale everything. And you shouldn't actually be doing anything that's personalized or one-on-one. But that it goes a long way and people really appreciate that. And it's also wonderful because you end up attracting the right people to your program or whatever your offer is. And then you also 
gather really valuable data as far as like you're having one-on-one -on -one conversations um, or maybe you're reaching out to people and sending videos and you hear back from them and they send a video back to you that's really helpful to get insights um, that you may not get otherwise and collect otherwise if you don't take those steps to uh, reach out to individuals and really get in there and understand what your audience is dealing with what they're looking for what's you know what hesitations they have so I'm I'm glad that more and more launches are leaning in that direction. It, it seems like it's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. Um, you may not be able to, if you're launching to a whole bunch of people or a large list, you may not be able to customize a video for every single person. Um, so I just wanted to say, you know, just kind of insert the disclaimer that like might work for your more engaged leads or, you know, your hot list or whatever, um, you know, just sending that those five to 10 videos of no longer than 60 seconds to, you know, a minute and a half and actually using their name and inserting their name into it or even drawing it on or writing it on the back on a whiteboard behind you is going to go a long way and make an impact and keep you top of mind with them. Yes. And, um, you know, we also talked earlier in the conversation about Laura's journey and her, her pivot and how she started as a health coach and really enjoyed the marketing side of things. So then, you know, really shifted in her business and, um, that evolution seems really normal. And um, for so many copywriters, we get into this and we realize, okay, well, I don't actually want to work on website copy. I want to, you know, create some type of consulting offer, or I want to la launch a group program, or I want to do something else entirely. And those shifts are really natural, but they often feel difficult too, because we often see ourselves as one thing and we give ourselves one title. And it's hard to pivot away from that um, because we get comfortable with that title and our own identity. So I like that Laura mentioned, that, you know, she was able to kind of make that shift and just kind of uh, run with it and see where the launch management would take her. And then it eventually took her to really focusing on affiliate, uh, affiliate side of launches. And then, you know, we don't know where she'll go next. Um, so I guess my question for you, Johnny, is just like what what advice would you give to someone who might be struggling with that pivot? Like they know they're no longer the copywriter who writes website copy and they know there's something else out there for them, but they're struggling to really own it and make that pivot in their business. Wow. You just ask the most perfect questions and they're so timely and they're so relevant. And I'm just like getting goosebumps right now because I was just thinking about this like right before we hopped on. Um, and ironically enough, I was listening to... Um, I think, you know, the you and Rob recently interviewed each other and you brought up such a good point and it just really, I, I wrote it down on a sticky note. I can even like take a picture of it and send it to you. Um, sometimes <laughs> we do typecast ourselves into just being a copywriter. Um, and, and then that like just rolls off the tongue so easily and you kind of like make that your default response when someone asks you what you do for a living and blah, blah, blah. Um, you, I'm, I'm kind of transitioning myself um, between roles and trying to figure out what I want to do, if I'm being honest, uh, because I have done all the things and I'm like, what really lights me up? And you had mentioned something about some of us sometimes take jobs that are a distraction. <laughs> and that was like, wow, what's 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 really at the core? What's really at the center of what I wanted to do? Now, copywriting is a foundational skill set and so extremely important. But you have to remember that like it leads to other things too. I mean, I've been a creative strategist. I've been a copy chief. 
And it is an essential skill set that could take you who knows where. But the important thing is, is that you're introspective about it, right? Really kind of about to get a little woo, dropping down and like realizing what is lighting you up and what's not lighting you up and paying attention to that. If you're dreading your job the next morning and you just, you don't have that oomph you once had, then it's time to pivot. But the important part is that you're actually listening to yourself and not ignoring the flags and the signals that are telling you, hey, might want to pivot right now. So I really like that she was so intuitive and so in tune and emotionally intelligent enough to be able to pick up on that. Yes. And I think I think you said it well. I can't I can't add a whole lot to that other than um, just the space that we're in, you know, especially the online marketing world that we operate in. Uh, these changes I personally feel they happen more and more frequently in the space because the landscape that we work in is changing constantly too. And, and then um, we, so many of us are super nerds and we geek out on all this stuff. So we're constantly learning, right? We're taking new courses, we're reading. And so as you learn more, you start your interests change. And so if you put like the nerdiest of the nerds, that's, you know, that's me and Johnny, I'm, that's you too. Um, if you put us, you know, these, self-improvement, personal growth, junkies into a space and you give us a lot of books and you also give us an industry that is constantly changing, what we decide to do in that space is also going to change. Even though you're right, the core of what we do as writers is, you know, we're, if you're a writer, you're always a writer, but that doesn't mean you can't figure out where else this writing skill set can take you. Um, where else it could take you on the path. And, you know, and maybe that means a title change, but at the core, we're, we're still, we're still writers. So um, I think that's a good kind of tie back to the way that Laura started and the evolution she's made in her business and how, how normal that is and how great it is. And we can celebrate that. Um, And with that, let's get back into the episode and hear about Laura's approach to building meaningful partnerships. So maybe this is taking a step back, but you mentioned, you know, creating those generous giving relationships, building those. I think that's where a lot of copywriters get tripped up. I think this comes naturally to many people, but also I think we over, we tend to overthink it as soon as we say it's for business or it's, you know, to help us build an affiliate relationship. Eventually it's like we psych ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question is, how do you recommend approaching those conversations so that the conversation will actually take place. Um, and then what mindset shift do we need or did you need or do your clients need so that we can step into it and really own it and feel like, you know, I am being generous. I want to help this person rather than getting in our own way. Mm, so good. And I just want to say that every single client, including myself, runs into this. So if you're like, oh, I feel uncomfortable about asking people to partner with me, literally everybody, like all those top names that you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and everybody has had some version of like, well, I don't know anybody I can ask, even though they're very well connected. So just want to reassure everybody with that. Uh, And going back to the generosity first, I really believe that if we are the person who sends referrals, who 
connects people to their dream podcast opportunity. I'm not really one for sending things in the mail because I'm like allergic to going to the post office, but I have friends who are, and they are masters at like going in and gifting people things. So if we are that person giving generously in the world, then it will come back to us tenfold. Um, and not in a transactional way. Like I don't, say like, okay, I want Kira to be my affiliate partner. So I'm going to send her something in the mail and then she has to mail for me. Like that's not how it works. We just want to be generous um, and put it out there. And I know that it comes back, even if, you know, it wouldn't be Kira, it could be like, oh, Kira's referring me to somebody else who might make a good partner um, is sometimes how that ends up happening. But how we actually have that conversation is what I want you to do is I want you to think about this four wins exercise before any conversation. So one is being out there in the world and and just being that generous person and thinking about how you can serve them. And two is doing the four wins exercise. So the four wins are, how is this partnership a win for you personally? And I want you to get clear on it. Like who, who are you really trying to serve? What are you trying to create? How is this a win for you and your family and your team if you make this ask of this person? and they promote. Number two, how is it a win for the partner? Like, why is it such a win for them to share this with their audience and make money on something they don't need to create, right? Like I have promoted Selena actually in her program on getting media. So I don't have to go be an expert on getting media and PR. I can send my audience to Selena for that information. Um, why is it a win for the people that you're going to get in front of their audience and, and them finding out about you? Like, why is it so powerful for them to, to invest in you? And then the fourth win is for the world. Like, what is the ripple effect that you being able to reach more people has on the world? And when you get clear on those four wins and read that piece of paper before any conversation, then it really becomes like, wow, you're kind of rude if you don't get out of your own way and like get uncomfortable and make the ask um, because you're stopping yourself from really making that impact. So I have a couple questions related to especially like how do you make this a win for your partner? Number one, what is the typical share that you should give somebody who's promoting your affiliate program for you? And the second part, uh, well, I guess the second part is kind of a different question, but it's really like, if this is the first time you're launching, should you even be reaching out to affiliates at that point or should you figure it out first? Yeah, such I'm gonna answer those in reverse. <laughs> They're really good. I would say that if it's your first time, you know, doing a webinar, doing a video series, doing a challenge, I personally, when I launched my own program, I did my webinar and I did my launch first with no partners. And my goal for that launch was really to create the material. So I launched with a webinar. I had 25 people sign up for the webinar. I think I had three people attend and one person interact, but I was so happy because I made the webinar, like I did the thing. And then when I launched it again, that's when I invited partners to come on board. And I started really small. I just had a group of um, eight partners promoting my webinar the second time. So I do like starting without partners for your first launch. So you can create those assets because otherwise you're creating materials for yourself and you're creating materials for your partner. So it's a bit of a, a double launch. So it's a bit more work. And if you already have people that, you know, you can set up something really simple for them to refer to you, 
then I think it's okay. And I have had people just say like, no, I'm going for it. I'm going big. Um, but my preference would be that you do it, you know, do your launch, get your marketing materials in order, and then you invite partners to come on board. And then when you do invite them on board, there are so many different ways to set up the commission structure and all of them can be great when it comes to something that's scalable. So you don't have a lot of costs involved in the delivery. So, you know, it's a digital program, a digital membership, something like that. Then typically we see between 40 and 50% commissions because, you know, there's not going to be additional costs for you to deliver on that. Um, For ongoing memberships, I've seen up to 50% for sure, but they can start, you know, a little bit lower, more like 25% if you're going to be doing ongoing commissions month after month. If you get into the physical product space, it's typically more around 10% because um, there are obviously hard costs associated with the physical products. Oh, and then for SaaS companies, which I know you're talking to copywriters mostly, but anyway, but for SaaS companies, it's typically around 30%. Uh, so, it, there's a big range between 10 and 50%, I would say. Yeah, I mean, let me ask just a, a really quick follow-up of that, especially with like memberships and with SaaS where it's a monthly billing. Is there a length of time that you would um, you know, pay out that affiliate? Is it like as long as they're a customer or would you sunset it at three months, six months? Yeah, we've had people do it in both ways. I would say the majority do it the, the over time. And whichever way you choose, I would just think through how it's a win for both you, of course, and then also a win for your partner. So the beautiful thing about saying you'll get paid as long as they're a member, which is how, you know, like Entreport and um, UpCoach and a lot of SaaS companies do it, for example, is there you're creating a passive income stream for your partners. So I would talk that up in your invitations, on your partner page, et cetera. Um, I have had other clients who you know, after their three month mark, they're going to pay out a bigger amount of commission, but then it stops from there. Um, I tend not to like that, but if you're, you know, getting started small and you want to keep things really simple, then that could be a way to go as well. And I've found that that works for some people, but typically I love like the, the messaging around, like you're creating a passive income stream. So let's say I'm listening and I've thought through the rings of recruitment and thought about the four wins and I'm I'm ready to go and create my own affiliate program for my launch. What are some best practices around setting it up so it actually works and is successful for all parties? Yeah, so many things. <laughs> so so we run through something called the cycle of partnerships, which is <laughs> attract, activate, amplify. And appreciate. So attract is when you're actually inviting them to be a partner. So go through those four wins and and really think about why it is such a win for them before you make that invitation. Um, That would be attraction. Activation is between when they say yes and when they actually promote. And the key element there is really making it easy for them to promote. So if you have a webinar, can you create an email template that they can copy and they can customize if they want, but they can use that email template to invite people to the webinar. Because if people say yes to promoting your offer and then they don't actually promote, it's not because they're crappy people. 
it's because they're busy or something has come up. So how can we make it really, really easy for them to say yes and really, really easy to take action? Amplify is when they're actually promoting. So after they send that email inviting people to your webinar, make sure to thank them, cheer them on, tell them who signed up, follow up with them. That you know, that's how you're going to amplify their results. Can you send them an additional email template after they've sent that email of like, "Oh my gosh, you know, you got these 40 people to sign up for the webinar. Here's a follow-up email that you can send to these 40 people specifically about my program. Um, So they're endorsing the offer as well. So make it fun, make it easy, and then appreciate it. So make payouts on time. I would come up with a schedule of when you're going to be paying people out. So kind of what Rob was talking about before, if you're going to be paying people monthly, pick a specific day of the month and always make sure that you make those payouts. So mine are My payouts happen on the fourth Wednesday of every month for all the payments received the month prior. So set something like that up and let them know about your next launch so that they come back for more. And obviously there's a lot more nuances that you can get into there, but that would be kind of the the minimum viable, keep things simple. Uh, And then a lot of people are probably wondering, I'm just going to ask myself this question. (laughs) Hopefully that's okay. Do it. (laughs) A lot of people are probably wondering about the tech. This is another one of those kind of nuanced answers because there are great things and there are bad things probably about every tech platform. So I would look into what tech you're already using and is there some kind of affiliate tracking already built in? And if there is not, then, you know, there's a lot of different solutions. There's, you know, Samcart has affiliate tracking, Thrivecart has affiliate tracking. Uh, There's a lot of different platforms out there and I would just you know, go through a trial run with them, test things out. And when you're testing it out, you know, talk to customer service, see how easy it is, how how quick are they to respond? Because that will be a key indicator if it's a good company or not. So what tech do you use, Laura, for your particular launches? Yeah, I use Entreport. So it's all in one, which I like. And there's sometimes that I really want to throw it out the window. So... (laughs) I, yeah, I think we feel that we also use Entreport and there, okay. there are times when, yeah, we pull our hair out just a little bit, but it, it also, I mean, it's a robust tool. Like when it works, it works really well. Yes, exactly. So, and then just to give some context for, you know, Selena and the Todd's of the world, a lot of them use Infusionsoft. I know Marie Forleo ran her big affiliate program on Entreport for many years. And a lot of the clients I'm working with now are using Thrivecart if that's helpful for anybody listening. (laughs) I would like to hear more about your business, Laura, and how, like, what does it look like on the back end? How many team members do you have? What are your other offers? Just give us a glimpse into your business. Yeah. So I feel like I start every answer with, yeah. So um, (laughs) I need to work on that. Maybe my business right now has a two different parts, I would say. So one part is Rock Your Affiliate Program, where we are teaching companies and their teams how to create affiliate programs. And on that side of things, I can keep things pretty lean. So it's fluctuated between just me and me and a couple of people helping out on that side. And then on the agency side, we're working right now with three clients. And one of them is kind of a mega client, I would say. So we've got about nine people that are working on the agency side at the moment. 
And I'm curious, you know, somebody may be listening thinking, yeah, I don't love copywriting, but I think I could love managing launches. Like, give us a sense of what you can charge for, you know, help with a launch project, whether it's small to, to large. Yeah. So on the launch management, not affiliate management side. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One, so when I was doing launch management, it definitely fluctuated. And I actually, people are often surprised about this, but I used to charge hourly for everything because I found that, you know, the amount of hours that you put in on a launch, like if I had charged a flat rate, you know, I would have probably lost, you know what I mean? Like it was just more convenient for me to charge hourly because I put a lot of time in. And my very first launch ever, I charged, I believe $36 an hour. Uh, And when I left that space, I was at about $60 an hour. So I definitely increased it. And then that may not sound, I mean, it may, that may sound like a lot or it may not sound like much. Um, I did like charging hourly too, because I feel like when people heard like $60 an hour, it was still an easy yes. And, you know, by the end of that launch, that last one, I think I made 27,000 because of so many hours put in over the course of three months. So (laughs) (laughs) those hours add up fast. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, and they, they were fully prepared for that. You know, it wasn't like a out of left field, like here's the bill for (laughs) 27,000. It's $60 an hour. Yeah. Oh, and $27,000 later. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And then on the smaller side, I would say probably around 10,000 was the, was the lowest. Okay. So while we're talking about money, let's talk about money mindset and how, what have you done to kind of shift your money mindset as you've increased your hourly rate, doubled your hourly rate, and then, you know, moved on beyond that to where you are today? What's helped you the most? Mm, Such a good question. Money mindset. I would say I have always, well, I don't even know if this is true, but right now it's true. So I'm just saying, I have always been the type of person that I want to be expensive, but worth it. And so I have no problem with people saying no to my rates because I, yeah, I want to work with people who are really showing up and are ready to support the process. I've had clients, you know, when I would kind of negotiate with my rates where they didn't even really show up. And so we didn't get the results that I wanted. They didn't get the results that they wanted because of that. Um, So anyway, that's one of my mindsets is I want to be expensive, but worth it. And then the other thing that helps a lot, and sometimes I still run into this a little bit, like I think like, oh my gosh, like I'm charging so much for this. And I have to remind myself that the knowledge that I have on partnerships and affiliate programs is because of all of these years. Like, honestly, it's because of all the mistakes I've made. Like, that's why I'm That's why I'm good at what I do is because I've made so many errors uh, and learned a lot along the way. And that's why my rates are where they're at is because of all those years. Um, So we ran a certification program this year for affiliate managers. And I told them, like, you know, start out with an hourly rate or start out with a lower, you know, like a $5,000 flat fee for, for doing the affiliate launch. But the next time, you know, I think you can double it because you'll have that experience um, to be able to call on. So I think it's a bit of both of those, if that makes sense. I I love how your money mindset wraps around reframing failure as a way to raise your rates. Like I think there's, (laughs) there's a really deep principle there, you know, 
that, uh, that maybe is worth thinking about or, or uh, talking about it at some length. But I'm not going to talk about that because since you since you talked about the failures, I'd love to hear just you know what are the big huge mistakes that we make when we launch things that just basically make the launch into a into a failure or you know the the things that we could so easily avoid if we just would pay some attention to it like give us maybe a top three (laughs) yeah i would say at the end of every launch one of the things that we write in our debrief is you know just more time for testing so especially when it comes to affiliate links but honestly this is for every launch like run through a simulation ahead of time. So what is it? what does that experience look like when people use that link and sign up? So running testing is always super huge. And regarding, you know, your comment about reframing failure, I'm working with a company right now who's just ginormous and the work they're doing is so beautiful. And they talk often about speed being a force and kind of the dust that that kicks up. And that's really sat with me in a good, in a good way, because I think, you know, if we're moving at velocity and we're making things happen and we're taking action, like there's going to be, we're going to break things. And instead of thinking like, oh my gosh, like I failed at that. It's like, that's actually what's supposed to happen if we're moving at the speed with which we need to, to create change and, and do big things. And I don't know if you want to know like specific mistakes I've made, cause I can definitely share those. <laughs> yes. Yes to that. <laughs> yeah. So one time, this is actually in Todd Herman's launch. Uh, we were sending an email to the partners who hadn't gotten any leads yet. You know, I don't remember how many days in we were, maybe we were like a week into the launch and we're promoting the video series and these people had no leads. And so I wrote this email like basically, you know, like what can we do to to help you? Like I see you haven't, you don't have any leads yet. You know, it was kind, but it was a little bit of a kick in the pants kind of an email. And instead of sending it to all the people that didn't have leads, we sent that email to all the top partners. <laughs> <laughs> it's like work harder, work harder now. What? That's <laughs> they were great. so confused, and I was so embarrassed. And I, we luckily we realized it pretty quickly. <laughs> so we sent a follow up, like, so sorry, you actually are <laughs> killing it. Like, you're awesome. And that was my bad. <laughs> that could work in your favor, though, right? To motivate them. Like, you're not doing as well as you think. You don't have any leads. Send a couple right. more emails. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So a lot of the mistakes I do think come down to like getting sleep and paying attention to what you're doing. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of sleep, I read on your website that you you wrote alarm clocks are overrated. So I'd like to hear kind of your approach to alarm clocks and time and sleeping and your schedule. Mm, yeah. So this is so so timely. I would say this question because I have recently been working on my sleep and going to bed a lot earlier. So I definitely don't use an alarm clock unless I have to, like if I have an early flight or something. And for a while there, I got myself into the habit of staying up till like two in the morning and still waking up early. So I have a two and a half year old daughter, as you know, she's with me half the time. And so my sleep was really bad. And I saw the effects that that had on my mood, on my 
accomplishments on just how I felt about life in general. I was in a pretty dark place earlier this year, actually. And I, I can attribute a lot of that to how I was treating my sleep. And so over the last month, I've gotten a lot better at going to bed early and really prioritizing my self-care and getting outside every day. And now I wake up really, really excited about the day. So I think it's twofold. I think that my sort of saying, you know, screw alarm clocks, I'm going to get up whenever is, is true and, and still true to this day. And I think I took it a little bit too far (laughs) into the direction of not prioritizing sleep for a while there. Yikes. But uh, a problem that is easily relatable, at least in my case. Um, so Laura, I'm curious, or, or going to ask this question for everybody who's listening is thinking, okay, actually, I think I need to learn more about launching, you know, connecting with affiliates. Tell us a little bit about your program that helps us do that and when it will be open next. Yeah. Rock your affiliate program is a like complete system. So we walk you through how to make your list of ideal partners in the interaction phase, how to reach out to them, how to activate them through training and assets, amplifying leaderboards, everything all the way through appreciation. And that is an ongoing enrollment. So you can learn more at rockyouraffiliateprogram.com. And if you're interested, I would love to have you. Perfecto. And how else can we connect with you? Website, all of the places. All the places. So I'm on Instagram with I'm Laura Sprinkle. I am Laura Sprinkle. And I am also at laurasprinkle.com is my website. And if you are interested in just getting a nibble of the affiliate stuff, you're not sure if you want to dive into it fully yet, you can go to laurasprinkle.com forward slash start. And I have a starter kit. I do talk a little bit about tech in that starter kit and just how to get started, as you could imagine. (laughs) Who is the other Laura Sprinkle on social media? The other Laura Sprinkle, there are multiple Laura Sprinkles. And actually, there is a laurasprinkle.net. And for a while, she overtook me on (laughs) SEO. And I had to really, like, I got angry. (laughs) All right. All right. We need to look into this. Well, thank you so much for jumping in here with us. I feel like every time I listen to you speak about affiliate launches, I'm just like, ah, you make it sound so simple and um, exciting. Yeah. You just make me want to do more of it and do it really well. So thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. And thank you for those words. It's exciting. Thanks, Laura. That's the end of our interview with Laura Sprinkle. Before we close, Johnny, let's kick it off with you. You know, what really, what do you want to share from this part of the conversation? Yeah, I really liked, again, it's something that I'd mentioned in the first segment, but I really liked kind of like her beta run, like her, her, her approach to that initial launch to work out all the bugs and again, normalize these lessons learned. And, you know, whether you're launching a product or a service for yourself or you're doing it for a client, um, really just circling back around to ensuring that losses are wins (laughs) because they are. And it's, it's, it's like AB testing, right? You put something against, you bet something or pit something against something else. And regardless, there's going to be a win because you learn something for the next time. So I just think that's a metaphor for life in general. But yeah, I really wanted to highlight how great I thought that her approach was and her attitude towards it as well. Yeah. And she said towards the end when we're talking about, um, 
you know, a more money mindset. And she mentioned that she views her mistakes as an opportunity to raise her rates. And, you know, we, we, Rob, especially like we, we talk about money mindset frequently. We talk about pricing and I don't think anyone's ever said it the way that Laura said it, where it's like, I think about, you know, write down every single mistake you've made in your business, um, where there was a learning lesson attached, which is every single mistake. And if you add up all those mistakes that actually help can be your own calculator. You know, we talk about pricing calculators all the time. Well, make your own calculator and tally up all the mistakes you've made and look at that page or multiple pages of paper and then like have that start to feed into what you're charging because that's those are the lessons learned that um, you bring to the table from each experience. And that's how you can start to think about pricing yourself um, and reframing it for yourself. And I, yeah, that, um, again, that reframe for me is really helpful because I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, those, you you essentially paid for those lessons in one way or another, just right. regardless of what the currency was. Like you either paid for a course out of your pocket or you worked at a crappy agency for a year and a half and learned lessons the hard way. Um, so, you know, that those takeaways are gold and they will help others. Um, it'll prevent others from some quote unquote unnecessary suffering and you can make some, some good money while you're at it. So yeah, I love that reframe. And, you know, while we're talking about affiliates, you know, we, I think the importance is just to over communicate if you are doing launching anything with affiliate partners. And this is something that, um, you know, as for TCC, we have been an affiliate partner for many different copywriters who've launched offers. And it's, I always, I, I love doing that. That's so much fun um, because it's a win-win. And Laura talks a lot about that, you know, the win for everyone involved. It always feels just so it's always so much greater than the individual act of promoting someone else. When you think about the wins, um, and Rob and I only recently started to create our own affiliate programs. I mean, we've we've done it loosely with like IRL and affiliates, and but we haven't heavily focused it in our own marketing. And so we're starting to move into that space. Of course, you know, inspired by Laura mostly, and um, but I guess my advice for anyone who is stepping into that arena and working with affiliate partners for the first time or the second time is just really to do what Laura said and like over communicate, you know, make it really easy for them to help you. Because as soon as you get that yes from a partner that they want to be your affiliate partner, that they believe in you and your offer, and they say, sign me up from that point moving forward, they just need it to be really easy and they need you to hold their hand. And um, I guess just to reiterate what she said, if they aren't necessarily promoting as frequently as you'd like or in the way that you would like, then they just may need more help. And I know that's the case for me. Oftentimes when I say yes to be an affiliate partner for someone else, um, I need reminders. Like I need reminders. I need someone to tell me, you know, send out an email today. I of course need um, template copy I can use as a starting point, which is a given, but just to really handhold and be very um, supportive with your affiliates so that they can do a great job because they are busy and they're probably more focused on their offers, not necessarily the affiliate offer. So they just need all the help they can get. And, um, and I guess I'm sharing that because I think for anyone who is testing the affiliate partnership model in their own business for the first time, I think it's easy to feel timid 
and to feel like, oh, I shouldn't follow up or I shouldn't nag them or I shouldn't bug them and ask them to promote or I shouldn't give them deadlines um, because they're helping me and that seems like it's too much to ask. And so all I'm saying from my perspective is it's not too much to ask. They said yes, so they want to help you. So go out of your way to make it easy for them and show up consistently to get what you need because then it's a win for everyone. So that's my PSA and I will get off my soapbox about that right now. Any that tips from, Any tips from you, Johnny, about how to maximize, you know, if you are on either side of an affiliate partnership? Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely will put pause. Let's let's earmark that question. And I would love to quickly just touch and you feel free to cut this out. Okay. But um, you I, I'm excited to hear that you and Rob have delved into the world of affiliate marketing. I know. I, a couple of years ago, I can't remember what I was helping with the accelerator uh, launch, launch copy, and I was like, "You guys should totally do affiliate marketing. You have copywriters on your list. You have other copywriters on their list." And you, you, it was it was not um, a priority what did you say? at the time. What did, oh, it, I, I don't remember. I think it was just like you were, we were, you know, up against a tight deadline, but there were I, I. I think you were open to hearing suggestions on how to do it, how to go about doing it, um, like this pay model or this pay structure that Laura had mentioned. Um, maybe that was more more of the mystery behind it. But I'm, I was just curious if, actually not curious at all. I'm just excited to hear that you're actually doing it because I think it's a really, really good opportunity. So um, yeah, hopefully that works out really, really well. I don't see a reason why it won't. But it, it, was it intimidating for you? Um, I think it was, and again, this is before I met Laura Sprinkle, who has changed my whole perspective on affiliate marketing. Cause I, I don't, I think I had, I think I just didn't feel great about it. Like the whole, the concept in general, you know, which like, I just had some misconceptions about it and I didn't fully get it, which is very typical in my business journey of like many things where I'm like, I don't get it. And so I don't do it. And then I, five years later, I finally get it and I do it. Um, but yeah, I kind of just didn't, I think I was turned off by a lot of large affiliate marketers in the space. Um, and so I didn't open that door because of that and got in my own way. And then I think just understanding more recently, talking to Ash Chow, who worked with us on pre-launch, a pre-launch strategy, and Ash is amazing. She really built out a strategy for this accelerator launch and gave us a roadmap. And she also mentioned, you know, the opportunity is with affiliate partners. And so once enough people, enough people have told me that. So I finally started to listen and just walk through the steps. And so again, we did it for this past accelerator launch and um, we did it last minute. It was not done nearly as well as it could have been or should have been, but we, it was a baby step forward. So next time we can improve it and start earlier, do it a lot better. We, you know, have ideas of how we can improve it. Um, so I think we followed just Laura's whole idea around just start and do it. It will not be perfect. It may not be a home run, but just move forward. And then the next time will get a little easier and you'll have more clarity and you'll know what you need to fix. Um, but I guess it's a long way of saying I got in my own way and we probably were overwhelmed with other areas of the business that felt like it needed more attention. And only now do I really understand how smart it is and how it's a win for everyone involved if you do it well. And if you choose the right affiliate partners with the right offers um, and you are really intentional about it, it's it makes complete sense. Yeah, that connects nicely back to, I think Laura called it her um, launch kit, launch kit and really emphasizing making this as easy as possible for your clients, literally handing 
spoon feeding everything they possibly need, silver plattering, whatever you want to call it. So it's basically just like fill in the blanks, um, you know, a name or a name here or, you know, tweak there. But when you have all of that like ready made at your fingertips, you're more likely to follow through with it and start promoting and do the affiliate thing. And so I I think that's really genius on her end. Um, And I think I've seen some other copywriters do it too, even just templatizing like the surveys that their clients will send out to their list. I think I've seen you do that. And that's just, it's genius. I mean, it really is the the quickest, most effective way to go ahead and get something off the ground is just making sure everything is is ready and prepared for um, the client. Yeah, and you know, if 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 you're listening, you're like, well, I don't have an offer that I, you know, I'm not ready to start my own affiliate program because I don't have an offer out there yet. I'm working on one-on-one done-for-you services. This it might be worth just exploring more of the affiliate space just to understand how you can better help your clients. And you know, like you said, maybe. You can, if you're working in the launch space, maybe you can provide more copy for affiliates, like more templates that they can just hand over. Maybe that becomes part of your package that you're selling, that it's not just emails and landing pages. You also have a bundle of affiliate copy that you can hand over to your clients. And it also gives us the opportunity to step out and not just wear the copywriter hat where we're just like taking orders and writing for our clients, but we can wear our consultant hat and start to suggest to them like, Hey, you're about to launch this product. Have you thought about having an affiliate marketing plan and looking at partners? I can help you. Like we can, you know, uh, brainstorm different partners and I can guide you through that process. So I think what a lot of what Laura said in this conversation, if you're, if it resonates with you, you can take it and then add it to one of your packages, um, your copywriting packages to strengthen it. You know, you can charge more for that. You're providing more value. Um, you can create it as a standalone offer, but it all it all blends into what we're already doing as problem solvers in this space. And so, again, if it's not, if you don't need affiliate partners because you don't have an offer out there yet, uh, this will just strengthen your copywriting services and make you more of an expert if you pay attention to it. Okay, so before before we start to wrap up. Uh, you know, towards the end of the interview, uh, we talked with Laura about uh, sleep and taking care of herself and the importance of self-care in, in our lives and our businesses. And so I'm, I'm glad we were able to touch on that because, you know, this is times are uncertain and weird and um, and hard for a lot of people right now and hard for a lot of copywriters who feel exhausted dealing with, you know, day-to-day challenges at home. And then, you know, you got to show up, show up on Zoom with your clients and deliver copy overnight. And it's just, it can be really hard. And so I'm glad that Laura was open to sharing, um, you know, that she's, she's gone to dark places too, and how rest has been so important for her and how she's prioritized sleep um, more recently and getting outside and um, creating healthy routines for her life and to not just strengthen her business, but just to improve her, her health and her happiness. And so that, you know, that resonated with me because I definitely can go dark places. Um, I can go really dark places uh, and I have to pull myself out of that. And I know, again, sleep is such a big part of that. So I, I try to be very strict about my sleep routine too. 
So Johnny, you know, how did that part resonate with you or did you take anything away from the end of that conversation? It did. Um, I, I never knew what <laughs> kind of miracle good sleep was until I actually started having good sleep. Um, I mean, it's I've beginning of this year, lot tail end of last year, um, dark place as well. Uh, but it's funny because um, kind of pivoted out of an old role and um, have had the best sleep of my life since doing so. <laughs> I don't have those nagging thoughts, um, you know, jolting me awake at 2.30 a.m. Did I forget to do this? Um, or, you know, just like ideas, like when your wheels are constantly turning, it is so hard to get not just sleep, but like quality sleep. I think that's where the, I want to put the most emphasis on is as copywriters, um, as business owners, we all have our wheels turning all the time. Um, but you know, once you start running on fumes, your work suffers, your life suffers, you have bags under your eyes. I mean, you're taking, you're drinking NyQuil, you're taking Benadryl, you're doing all the things to try and get a good night's rest. Um, and for me, it was really just not stressing about things anymore. I know that sounds really, you know, just, oh, it's easy for her to say, but that's what had worked for me. That's why I'm able to get such good sleep. And for the first time in my life, I think, or at least a couple of years, I went to like the store yesterday and some random woman who's, I'm sorry, she's not random. She, she was the checkout girl and she's like, you're glowing. And I haven't <laughs> seen her for months in months and months and months. And out of nowhere, she just comes in with this, like, you're glowing. You look good. I'm like, what? And so I went home to my partner and, and told him the same thing. And he's like, because you're less stressed out. So if, whatever, you know, de-stressing looks like for you, I don't want to be that superficial, you know, advice giver, but really it's, it, it has made me, yeah, I just, I, I feel better. I feel so just relaxed and so, uh, able to charge my day way better. And, you know, taking time off, if that's, you know, that goes along, that goes along with resting and sleep, taking time away from your business sometimes is the answer. And, you know, that's something that I struggled with quite a bit myself. But uh, Kira, I think you helped me reframe it. Like, it's an investment in your business. Look at time off, look at time away, look at you know, whatever you need to do to step away from the desk <laughs> as an investment in your business, because you can feel yourself powering down and you just, you can't, your output's not the same. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you said that well, I think you're right. We, we can feel it. So I, we know when we're, we're losing power, losing steam, we can feel it. The signs are there. And so, um, making the shifts and it'll be different, you know, depending on the situation, but for you, it was, um, you know, leaving that role and, um, and dramatically decreasing the stress from that position um, has made a big difference and it'll be different from someone else, but just paying attention to it and, and asking those hard questions too. If, if you're stuck in a place that causes you a lot of stress, you know, like what is one thing I can do to improve the situation? Um, it's really tricky and um, we'll continue to, you know, talk about that darker place because it, it just, it exists. It's part of the game we're playing as business owners. Um, it's not an easy space to be in. It's rewarding. There's so many benefits, but it can be so hard and so isolating at times. So anyway, I, I'm glad that Johnny, you're willing to go there and share and that Laura was willing to go there as well. 
um, in this conversation. That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you liked what you heard, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out episode 239 with Christina Shands about writing for launches and episode 124 with Shannon McCaffrey about product launches. And be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the episode. If you're interested in joining us for TCCIRL in Nashville this March, uh, we hope to see you there. Uh, We'll link the info in the show notes. You can check it out there. And a big thank you to Johnny for co-hosting this commentary. I really appreciate you, Johnny. And if someone's listening and they're like, I want to say hi, I want to connect with Johnny, uh, where should they go? I think I'm comfortable giving my email address if you want to hit me up. Just email me at johnny at johnnysteller.com. That's J-O-N-N-I-E. Or you can catch me lurking in the copywriter underground. Yes. Do email Johnny. She's she's the greatest. Send her all the emails. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club yeah, can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money as long as you listen through the whole damn episode.